Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Thursday, January the 26th. I'm sorry, January the 25th. I'm jumping ahead. The year is 2024. Today is the feast of the conversion of St. Paul the Apostle. It's also the third Thursday in ordinary time. And our reading today is from the Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus appeared to the eleven and said to them, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So, right here we have the end of Mark's Gospel. As I was saying the other day, it is believed among Scripture scholars that Mark added things later. uh, Because his Gospel, I don't know, this is just a popular belief, and I tend to... um, take an interest in the different theories. The popular belief is that it's a Greek tragedy. That's how Mark wrote it. And he was writing for a largely Greek-speaking audience. And uh, it is believed it ended with the crucifixion. And then later on, in order to officially qualify as a gospel, you have to have a resurrection account. So either Mark or maybe some followers of Mark the Apostle. He wasn't one of the 12, but he was uh, still referred to as an apostle. He's one of the evangelists believed to be very close with St. Peter and also St. Paul, uh, later on, parts were added. And this would be one of them. Jesus, before his ascension into heaven, but after his resurrection, he gives his commission. Now, I feel that every parish council needs to pay close attention to this, and every diocesan committee and all these different groups of people that meet together to talk about how to lead the church This is our mission statement. This is what Jesus is telling us to do. I've been part of different parishes where we need to come up with a new mission statement or a a new, uh, I don't know, theme. There's so many different words for it and some committees to talk about the theme and the mission statement. But here Jesus gives them their mission. Proclaim the gospel. Baptize. In the name of Jesus, drive out demons. There's plenty of them. Speak in tongues. I don't know that everyone has that gift, but a lot of people do. And there seems to be a resurgence of that in this day and age. And there will be dangers. And Jesus says you will be defended from serpents and poisons. If anybody knows the story of the life of St. Benedict, uh, he was saved from being poisoned twice. One, because the glass shattered that had the poison in it. The other, after he blessed it. The other one, he was about to eat a loaf of bread that had poison in it. And a bird swooped down and picked it up and took it out into the desert and saved his life. So we will be protected. And Jesus is also telling you and me, let's really think about this. Are you aware? Part of your mission as a Christian, part of my mission as a Christian, is to pray over the sick and the wounded. I've been sharing the past week or two how I've started teaching again, 
And one thing that happens when you're in a school is that there's constantly people, little people, <laughs> with casts on their hands and their feet because of their sports. Everybody's always getting injured, just like I was when I was a kid. And I love that opportunity. Not that I love the fact that people are injured, but I love the opportunity to pray over other people. And uh, honestly, it's not just about physical injuries. There's a lot of wounded people out there. There's a lot of sad people out there. Right in our own families, there's a lot of anxious people out there. There's a great book, Francis McNutt. It's called Healing. And I read it about a year ago. And it's a fantastic book about all the different types of healing. And he gives advice just on how to do it as a Christian. And he says he has great success with how many people heal. But he's not just talking about demons. And he's not just talking about sickness. He talks about emotional healing. And how there's people in our lives that are very depressed. And, you know, it's not like we just go up to people on the street and start doing this. Although it is nice to talk to people about our faith when we're out in public. But he talks about uh, emotional healing and how people request of him, or when he was still living, they requested of him prayers for their depression, their sadness, their anxiety. And he was, he and his wife would spend time praying over these people. And just the fact that someone was taking an interest in them, just the fact that there was human touch involved, maybe just laying your hands on someone's head or shoulders and saying, Lord Jesus, heal this person. And he, he always advised, take time with those prayers. Really try to get into the places where this person was hurting, in need of healing, certain injuries, certain um, trauma that they might have experienced, and just taking your time and giving them the healing of Jesus, praying over them for the healing of Jesus in their broken hearts. So many broken hearts in the world today. So this is our mission, and we celebrate the Feast of St. Paul today. This gospel is chosen because Paul is the great evangelizer. At the beginning of the church, St. Paul, uh, after his conversion to Christianity, they laid hands on him for his ordination, and he went around and he converted so many people. He founded churches in so many different parts of the world. And this is what he did. He didn't necessarily set up businesses, but he set up um, communities. Communities where people prayed together. Communities where they learned about Jesus. They preached about Jesus. Communities where lots of healing occurred, as well as... Uh, you know, the preaching of the gospel and turning away from evil. When I think of St. Paul, I can't help but think of Pope John Paul II. There is a story, and I believe this to be true, that when he first became Pope, he was given an assessment of how the church is doing throughout the whole world. And things were really on the decline in the 60s and the 70s, and, and really since then, in, at least in the uh, Western world, Europe and America, uh, the church is really doing great in places like Africa. It seems like wherever there's poverty, that's where the church thrives. Whereas there's so many other places where the church used to thrive and it's not anymore. We go through these cycles. The world and the church in the world has gone through these cycles. And so Pope John Paul was told, well, you know, things are really bad. And he prayed about it. He prayed about what can I do now that I've been given this office of the Holy Father? And he decided while most popes are like Peter. They rule the church. You know, Jesus put Peter in charge. Peter died in Rome. And the popes now have always been the bishop of Rome. He said, that's one option. I could rule the church from Rome. 
and I could correct a lot of errors and just oversee things like a, a CEO of the corporation. But he decided he was going to be more like St. Paul and he was going to go travel the world. And he started what's called the new evangelization. In other words, we're in a, a day and age where the world is being re-evangelized. All those miracles I was talking to you about earlier, the healing and the deliverance, that's happening all over the place right now. It's the new evangelization. And Pope John Paul did this. He went from one country to another and he left a wake of grace everywhere he went. So much grace, the Holy Spirit pouring out in every direction. Pope John Paul, um, he started, well, one thing, and, and I very much benefited from this, World Youth Day. I went to two World Youth Days, one in Denver, one in Toronto. He started these World Youth Days where he would go around and meet with youth. Sometimes millions of them would show up. In fact, if you look in the Guinness Book of World Records, um, the largest gatherings in the history of humanity, I think number one is World Youth Day, Pope John Paul, Philippines. Number two, World, World Youth Day, Pope John Paul, France. And the next one I think is Rome. There are so many. And these are now the top of the largest gatherings ever in the history of the world. So talk about evangelization. This man, this good man went from country to country, preaching the good news, gathering together literally millions, especially young people. And it led so many people to turn back to their faith. It led so many people to start new things in the church, new forms of worship, new forms of evangelization. He got the ball rolling and so many other people, including myself, have jumped on board and said, we, in one way or another, we want to give our lives to Christ. In one way or another, we want to give our lives to spreading the gospel far and wide and drawing people in and, and offering those prayers of healing like we talked about. I was talking to one of my classes today about confirmation and how one of the biggest problems in the Western world church today is that people don't understand their confirmation. Eighth graders everywhere get confirmation in this current society, current Catholic society. And I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but the statistic is out. And that is less than 1% of confirmed eighth graders come back to church. Less than 1%. When the reality is they have just been given superpowers to conquer the world. That's what confirmation is all about. They have been given the fullness of their baptism, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And now they have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They have a wisdom they didn't have before. They have knowledge, piety, fear of the Lord. They have courage that they didn't have before. Counsel. Their words are able to heal people. There's so many. And the, and the thing is, is, all right, so it's the gifts it's the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and so many other good things. It's also charisms. They've been given charisms to love others, to help others, to heal others. If we understood our confirmation, we would set the world on fire. You wouldn't be able to stop the Catholic Church and Christianity. So this is something we have to get back to. This is what St. Paul was all about. He was filled with the Spirit, and he went out, and for the rest of his life, until he died in Rome, he just poured out that Spirit upon the world. He talked to everybody about Jesus. He performed miracles. He even suffered for the faith, and he endured it. The same with the other apostles, really, and it's the same thing that Pope John Paul did. Filled with the Holy Spirit of his baptism, his confirmation, but then also 
being ordained a deacon, a priest, a bishop, and then consecrated bishop of Rome, uh, so much grace was just flowing out of him to the whole world. God can do such big things if we let him, if we ask him, if we trust him to do big things, if we don't think, well, I don't want to ask because, you know, he's probably busy. He doesn't have time for me. The reality is God wants to do so much. He loves us insanely. And one final thing, Pope John Paul consecrated everything and everybody to Mary. And this is an important part of it as well. Mary is the mother of the new evangelization. And so we need to just keep praying to her, pray those rosaries as she asks us to do. And um, yeah, you know, give everything to her because she formed Jesus as man to be our savior. She's the mother of Jesus. Therefore, we call her the mother of God. She is the immaculate conception. She's without sin. Why? Because mothers and their children have such an intimate bond, and Mary needed that perfection to form the perfect man, to raise him to be the perfect man. So just as she raised him, St. Louis de Montfort says, she forms us and raises us as well as our mother to become other Christs, to become his disciples. So as we receive this grace and as we go out, as Jesus is telling us to do, as St. Paul did, as Pope John Paul did, we turn to Mary that she will take care of us in our journeys and that she will pray for us to grow, to develop, to, uh, to become better and better all the time, to become what God has made us to be. So uh, anyway, I hope everybody has a great feast day today and uh, you know what you have to do. Go set the world on fire. Have a great day. God bless you.